Every single person that I know, including myself, can relate to the feeling of rejection, whether it was something recent or whether we allowed ourselves to reminisce about high school, middle school, as much as we try to repress those memories. Everyone can relate to feeling rejected, whether it's in a significant relationship, friend relationship. It's something human. It's a human experience. And we desire connection, but we also experience rejection. My co-host today has a pretty unique story, and I think it's beautiful because she spun an experience of rejection by friends and really turned it on its head and turned it into something so meaningful, and way, way, way bigger than she imagined and created a whole movement about helping build meaningful friendships and relationships, and it goes even way beyond that. So I was looking forward to this episode before, and I'm recording this now after we created the episode, and I'm even more excited about this. You are going to enjoy this. I'm pretty certain of it. As always, we appreciate if you took a moment and subscribed to the podcast, rated it, reviewed it, shared it, follow us on social media. These things really help us get this content out, which we truly genuinely feel is meaningful to people. So help us out and we appreciate it. This is Mental Filter. Welcome back, everybody, to Mental Filter, where we get to talk with interesting people about interesting things all through the lens of mental health. Most of you know me already. My name is Shmuel Fischler. I'm a clinical social worker. I have a therapy practice just a bit north of Baltimore called CBT Baltimore. And as always, I'm excited for this episode. I know I say that every time, but I am. I came across the, the co-host for today which you'll meet in a minute. And I was really pulled in and intrigued. And I think she's doing something really special. So uh, I look forward to it. So Marissa, without further ado, can you please tell everyone who you are? Hello, how's it going? It's going um, great. My name is Marissa Mize. I am 24 years old and I live in New York City. And I basically went viral from a negative situation that this guy posted a video on. And I turned it, flipped it into a good opportunity. And now I host meetups around the world for people to make friends. That's awesome. Yeah. I was thinking as I'm asking you to introduce yourself, like what kind of title is that? Like what, what, you know, a lot of people, I don't know. It's like funny because when a lot of people ask me what I do, I switch back and forth between, I usually say like, I have a social media platform that I turned into a business. Okay. So yeah, that's kind of what I, kind of just jiggle it down to, I guess. Did I read somewhere that you were into costume design? Yes, I did a wardrobe and everything for Netflix and commercial TV, all this stuff before I did uh, these meetups. Yeah. So that's a past life. That is a past life that I will come back to because I love film and TV production and that is my passion. So Fantastic. So I know you probably said over the story, you probably can't even count how many times you said it over. But for anyone out there who has not been on TikTok, or social media, or doesn't get the New York Times, <laughs> how did this all start? Basically a guy named Drew, we didn't know each other, we had no mutual friends, nothing. He posted a video on the internet that went viral throughout the whole world. And the video basically said, if your name's Marissa, you live in New York City, I just passed by your friends in this park, basically talking poorly about me. And he didn't really, I mean, he didn't have crazy too many details, but the details that he did give, it was very specific. And I figured it was about me. This video was sent to me just so many times by colleagues, friends, family, everything. And 
um, yeah, after that video got back to me, I responded to it and basically said, I think this is about me. If you want to message me back. And he did, we met up the next day to talk about it. It ended up being me. And yeah, after that video was seen by, I don't know, 30 million plus people, <laughs> then it kind of turned back around. And I started this meetup group. I held one meetup and that turned into a worldwide movement that just changed my life for sure. Right. So in essence, by being excluded from something, you turned around and made it something that's really, really inclusive, which is that's turning something like that is amazing into something that's really positive. I guess, you know, meetups existed before, right? What do you, what do you think makes No More Lonely Friends any different than any other meetup? I think that's the funny thing that I always talk to people about is like, I always tell them, I'm like, this is, this is already a thing, you know, people already meet up and have these groups or whatever. But I think that the start of it, when it was a story that people related to, and almost everyone's been through, everyone kind of had that click moment of like, oh my God, well, this has happened to me. So I should go, you know, and it wasn't just like a, Hey, come out and meet friends. I started this because I have a fun time. You know, it was because this happened to me that I wanted to meet like-minded people of people that wouldn't do that. Wouldn't talk behind people's backs, wouldn't exclude everybody, whatever it was. So that was nice because people had this connection to it that came organically through the viral video. And it just turned people's minds into, oh, maybe I should look into this because this has happened to me before. So everyone kind of felt connected to it in a way. Right. There's a story very relatable. It wasn't just, you know, in a vacuum. Every single person on the planet, I think can relate to some sort of rejection. I think most people try to block out the memories of middle school. For the, for yes. the most part. <laughs> Me included. For sure. Yeah, for the most part. And so everyone can relate. So once you're pulled in and to relate, then it builds. So yeah. it's, there's probably a million definitions. What is Marissa's definition of a friend? My definition of a friend is not too specific, but basically somebody that I can be myself around and I don't feel like I need to filter or take myself back in any way. Also, there's like a trust loyalty that I can trust you with things. I can feel like I can tell you things without you just turning and running your mouth to somebody else. You know, if I'm going through something personal, I can call you. Also just a friend is somebody that you can have a good time around and you feel included and you feel like they really go out of their way to make you feel like you're a part of something without them even having to try. That's, that's a pretty, pretty good definition. Yeah. (laughs) Is Is it hard to find? Once you find the right group, then you kind of fall into that and you keep going down that rabbit hole. But I mean, I'm not going to lie. It took me 23 years to find that. So once I found that, then it was like, oh, I finally found my standards, my expectations of what this should be. But before that, I kind of juggled my way through different friend groups, different lives, different whatever to try to find those people. And I never did find them until now. So in no way, shape or form, am I attempting to throw anyone under the bus? But before this happened, before Drew posted his video and this whole thing, you know, built up, Did you think that they were your friends? I did. There was a lot that I didn't kind of stand up for myself for. The funniest part about all this was that funny as in bad, but I I don't know, you know, um, is that they did this to me, but to my face. And I kind of just kind of sat back and watched and was like, okay, well, haha, like whatever. If they're saying this stuff, like, Oh, well, you know, but I also worked with them. So I tried to keep it mutual, but also I wanted to be included in the friend group. So I didn't really have, I just moved to New York. I didn't really have any crazy close friends in New York because I just moved a few months ago. So like at the time, so when it happened, I just was like, okay, I don't want to let go of these people because I want to be included in this and feel like I'm a part of something. So yeah, it was a very weird kind of middle ground of, I don't really know what to do about this, but I already knew they talked bad about me and to my face. So I already saw it. It wasn't even like, I didn't know, you know, I think though, you're really hitting on something. I mean, I, I know I can relate to it and I know a lot of people that I work can relate to it. I might know something and be aware, like, you know what, this is not good. This is not yeah. healthy. I, I shouldn't be here, but I don't really feel like I have a, tr- what's the alternative. I mean, yeah. I don't know why I'm going back to middle school again, but like, well, if I don't hang with these people, then what am I going to do? I feel like this pressure to stick with this group, even though if I'm really honest, they're not really my friends. 
That's yeah. a- and it's sad because a lot of people don't look at it as, oh, I can leave this group and try to find something better because all people think is if I'm not friends with these people, I'll be alone. And a lot of people would rather be friends with these people that treat them poorly than be alone. And that's really sad, but it is true because who wants to just sit around and be like, okay, time to make new friends. I'm going to cut these people off and move on. It's not like that. People don't think that way. So when they think of it, they're just thinking, okay, I'd rather be around these people until new people come into my life, but you're wasting this energy on these people that treat you poorly when you could be putting it all into trying to find new people that care about you better. 100%. I mean, this is going to be an unfair comparison, but you reminded me, I used to work in a nonprofit that dealt with domestic abuse. And obviously they're, they're different things. But one of the things, one of the many things that makes it hard for someone to leave a really unhealthy, toxic relationship one of the things that we used to hear is that it's like, it's a known entity, even if it's really unhealthy and, but I, I just don't want to be alone. And yeah, loneliness is really, really tough to deal with. And even though like objectively, you know, this is not good, but the idea of being alone, alone and lonely is, is terrifying to people. And it also wasn't a really a topic that people talked about before these last two years. Like it wasn't really people would be like, I'm lonely. They'd just be like, oh, I'm depressed or I'm sad or whatever, because they didn't really know what loneliness felt like, or like they didn't really understand what the concept of loneliness was because no one was isolated from people. You were always around people. You're always working around people, going to school, whatever it was. But now that everyone works from home, has school online, whatever it was that this past year and a half, two years really kind of locked in on people and made people realize what the actual feeling of loneliness was before they just felt alone, but in a group of people, now they're feeling the actual effects of loneliness. Uh, you bet. Uh, people can't see me because you're just listening, but I'm nodding my head as Marissa <laughs> was talking. I'll take it even a step further. It's so ironic. I, I work with a lot of people who struggle with social anxiety. So I remember more than one person told me at first, it's like lockdown, work from home. Yes. Yeah. I, don't have to, I don't have to be around people. I don't have to deal with all the discomfort and anxiety. And then fast forward, you know, six months in, it's like, uh, you know, I kind of miss being around people, people, even though I was uncomfortable and anxious around people, which is just yeah. really interesting. So I imagine when this first happened, like it couldn't have felt good. It was weird. It was a very weird time in my life. I was going through something already. So that add on top of it, it didn't really hit me yet. And then once the video did go viral, I was receiving thousands of messages at once. So it was like, I didn't even get this kind of, it, it didn't process the video itself. The, the true meaning of the video of me being rejected from these girls did not hit me the way it should have. It was very like, I stepped back and I saw it as a whole of, oh, this sucks, but also, whoa, this is going viral. And a bunch of people are messaging me such nice things. The comments were so nice. Everyone was so supportive. Everyone and their mother was commenting like, yo, I'll be your friend. Screw those old girls. Like you don't deserve them. Like blah, blah, blah. They don't deserve you. And that was the cool part was a lot of people were just backing me up without even knowing me. And there was no negative. The only negative was these people being like, you know, screw your old friends. They suck. But the only part that I really paid attention to was these people taking a cool precaution of realizing it's happening in their own life and kind of stepping back and, and making sure that they just like trickled down to, to the re- relatability of this story. And they really took it and turned it and flipped a script and did the same thing that I did. And everyone kind of related so hard that they really wanted to back me up. I have a stranger on the internet. And that was awesome to feel. So wow. it made me feel great, you know? That's a real blessing because it could have yeah. it could have been a whole different experience if you were doing this all on your own. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So there is something good about social media. Yes. <laughs> right? Isn't that crazy? <laughs> For once, I know, I know. Wow. So, and then at, at which point did it shift like, okay, let's do something about this. When did that happen? The next day, I think the next day or two days after the video, I was posting, you know, random videos about my experience, whatever it was. And people started recognizing me on the street. And I was like, what is going on? This is crazy. And I would walk outside and people would stop me and be like, oh my gosh, you're that girl, Marissa from TikTok. And I was like, what? Like, 
how is this a thing? Like, this is crazy. So from that, when people were like, Hey, let's be friends. Hey, let's be friends. Everyone, you know, was trying to, and I had a full-time job at the time. So I was like, ah, like so much is going on. So I took it and a bunch of people were saying, Hey, let's hang out. Hey, can you hang out this weekend? Hey, can you do this? So, so many people were messaging me that, that I posted a video. I said, what if we all just got together like all of us and made a picnic or something? I don't know. And everyone was like, I'd go. So I posted a date, a time, and I said, meet up in Central Park June 5th and let's do it. And like 250 people showed up. That's craziness. Yeah. (laughs) That is just craziness. Do you feel like, you feel like you're friends with all of them? I feel very much like I'm friends with everybody. It's crazy. I've never met so many people that I felt connected to in a very odd way. Like even if they just follow me and they've come to the picnics once, twice, whatever it was, all of these people are just so, they have the right mindset and they also have the good kind of, I don't know, when people come to these meetups, they have a very certain like energy that they're bringing of I'm coming for this reason to make friends and hang out with these people that are so great that they all bring this energy together and it just makes the picnics itself, the events, whatever, whenever we're hanging out, just so escalated. And I feel like if you didn't want to bring that energy, you wouldn't go. And that's great. And it's not like people are so, you know, crazy, whatever. It's more of that. These people have this non-judgmental, very happy to be there openness that they know to bring because they want to meet people that are like them and that they stay true to themselves and they really just look at their inner self and are finally feeling accepted. And that's awesome. And I love that about the picnics because I want everyone to feel like they can be themselves and not be judged and feel included. That is awesome. You know, to be transparent here, like to, to like a random person who let's say I mentioned, I actually mentioned to someone, oh, I'm having this, this is such a cool story. I'm having Marissa on a podcast and I'm not going to say who it was obviously, <laughs> but like their initial reaction, like, wow, so many, so many people are so lonely. And they had this like visual, uh, I could almost see the visual in his head of like, I don't know what stereotype like image I would put of like a person, like a recluse or someone who's like, you know, in their mother's basement and feeling all awkward and like, wow, there's so many people like that. And it doesn't sound like that's the average person who's coming to these meetups. So like, I don't know, can you just say a little more about that? Yeah. I mean, my picnics have all demographics of people. I mean, obviously when you hear the name, no more lonely friends, you think, oh, it's just for lonely people. And it's like, no, not at all. I mean, that's part of it. Sure. But also like, there's so many people out there that are so extravagantly whatever. Hi. Oh my God. I have so many friends, blah, 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 but they feel lonely and they want to admit that. Sure. But also there's so many factors that goes into loneliness that people don't really think of. And also these events have become more than just lonely people that are trying to make friends. It's to get outside, to feel fresh air, to meet people that they've never met before, to meet people, to learn about them, to meet people out of their demographic, whatever it is, that all of these people that are coming to my picnics and my events are just so great. And, you know, people think of, oh, it's these weird, lonely people. No, like not at all. And I've met all of almost literally every single one of my friends that I hang out with now are from the events. And that's really cool to me because I found those people that are really, you know, close to my heart, but I don't enjoy when people think that way about the picnics because they're part of the problem. Does that make sense? So when people think, oh, these people, I can't go to this event because I'm too cool for that. Or I'm not like some sad, lonely guy living in my mom's basement. You know, it's not like that. That's the problem that people are attributing to is that, no matter who you are, I don't care if you live in your mother's basement. I don't care if you live in a mansion. If you come to my picnics, you drop that ego at the door and you meet people. There's no judgment. If you are, I, I, I have kindly asked people to leave and it's not like they're not included. It's that if you're going to make a homophobic, racist, whatever comment, I'm going to ask you to leave because that is a safe space. It's a safe space for strangers to turn into friends. And I have no stance for that. I, I will not stand it at all. So, I mean, if you're going to, you know, have an ego and care to kind of look at it as an outsider's perspective of, oh, I'm too cool for this. Oh, I don't, whatever. I'm not weird. I'm not going to go to this event. Then don't, you know, it's not for you, but other people that go are just so incredible. And I've met some of the best people, my best friends, my roommate, everyone I've met these from these picnics. So it's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. And I think it takes a certain level of 
vulnerability to, if you want to call it admit, or to just say like, I'm feeling lonely. Sure. And you alluded to this, like, you know, someone can feel lonely if they live in their mother's basement and someone can feel lonely if they drive a fancy car and have a mansion and have, you know, 10,000 friends on social media, they could feel alone too. There's a great book called Alone Together. Mm. And it's all about how, you know, technology has progressed and our relationship with technology and how we communicate and how this, that sort of changes. So we could be all together, but we also could be alone at the same time. So I think it's a very powerful thing. And by creating these events, I don't know how many years ago, I sort of use this term a lot when I'm working with people on, it's not scientific at, at all. And when I work with people on being social, I think like probably the biggest predictor to making friends, I use the word proximity. Yeah. Meaning just like, we have to like be around each other in order to make yeah. friends. Now being around each other could be, doesn't make a difference what it is. It could be, you know, you go to school together. It could be that you're neighbors and you're in the same building. And it could be that you're part of the same chess club or, you know, you walk dogs in the dog park. Yeah. But we got to be in proximity. So this is like facilitating that, which is, yeah, for sure. Which is pretty awesome. How has it, you know, this is really an organic movement, if you want to call it that. How, ha- so. how has it developed from when you started? When did it start? This summer, right? Yeah, it started on the first meetup was June 5th. And the last meetup was December 11th of, of this year. So it was the last meetup just for 2021. And then we're going to restart in 2022 and go to different places, go to some of the same places, whatever. It's evolved by just me learning. Every time I held an event, I learned something new. It's evolved by just the way that I handle a lot of things, logistics that go into it. The last one we had in Vegas, we had a huge like after party at a venue. I mean, it was great. Like there's been, you know, some of the picnics have more people than others. Some have hundreds, some have 20, some have 30, whatever it is. And just every single picnic has been different. And no matter if I did 12 New York ones or one in Chicago, it was just always a good time, you know, and just how it's evolved is I think more people just knew about it. Obviously more people have learned about it over time, but also the attitude of people. I feel like people come with this open expectation, which is not an expectation, but, um, someone open, just an open-ended mind of, I think more people learned over time of how to kind of open their heads and their hearts of meeting new people or, coming and not having any judgmental thoughts or they seen my videos or whatever. And they just really wanted to meet me, whatever it was, just the picnics itself thrived every time. And it was just awesome to really watch people care more and more about meeting people and getting out. And the more the pandemic went, I guess, the, the more people realized how much they needed it. And I really appreciated seeing people come out and breaking that anxiety barrier that they had or others inviting others that had no clue about what even the story was, or they just showed up because a friend told them about it, or they went to it in another city. It was just really great. So, yeah. Yeah. I think if there's one thing we learned from the pandemic is how much of a really fundamental need it is to be connected to other people. Yeah. And it really like forced us to realize that. And for everyone listening, Marissa's videos are really fun. They are very Thank entertaining. You. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I think I try to keep it upbeat, very positive. You know, if it is negative, quote unquote, it's probably addressing something, not being negative. It's more or less just trying to address something. If something's happening or someone commented something bad or something on my videos, I'll probably address it. But otherwise I just keep all of my contacts pretty, pretty positive. I feel like very happy. A lot of my stuff is very happy. <laughs> That's great. Now, what, realistic what you, happy, you know? So that's a good point. That's a really realistic happy because yeah. I, I literally was just talking about this with some people this week who I work with. Like if the expectation for us is to always be happy, that's just not really human. <laughs> that's not the human experience. And sometimes we get pulled into, I don't know, this fantasy that life should and could always be happy. Being human is the full gamut of emotions 
I wouldn't be human if I never felt anxious, if I never felt sad, yeah. if I never felt hurt, if I never felt pain. I also feel happiness and excitement and being elated and love and all those things. But it's the whole it's the whole spectrum. Yeah. And I feel like also a lot of people are now finally realizing like it's okay to talk about their emotions. So before like no one really did that and they were all like, look at how cool my life is. And I feel a lot of people are connected to my social media, especially specifically um, in this situation, because I don't just post the, oh my God, I won $10,000 today. It's like, no, like I post the like, yo, today sucked. And I like tripped and fell in front of a bunch of people and blah, 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 spilled my coffee on me, whatever it was, is that I don't hide those things. I will post about it. I'll post about how I'm feeling or whatever it is. And, and I feel like a lot of people just really enjoy that. A biggest compliment I get is that I'm the same in social media as I am in real life. And that's a really cool um, thought to think about that. I really think about a lot, to be honest, because that's really rare. And it's also really rare to not put on like this front of everything's great in my life. And that's all, you know, I just don't like that. I don't enjoy it. Authenticity. Yeah. And it also makes people really depressed <laughs> because you're putting on this mask of, you know, you have to put on this perfect front because everyone follows you on the internet. And that's not true. If you put out what you want to put out, then people are going to accept you for that and follow you for that. Not for what you're masking. That's right. If we could have like thought bubbles on everyone who's like walking in the street, you be, everyone be surprised is that, yeah, people are all thinking the same thing. Yeah. You know, they, everyone thinks that, you know, the next person has it all good and this is not true. It's been really great though, because it's also uh, opening up a conversation that wasn't really talked about before. During the last two years, a lot of people have talked about their mental health and it's really opened up on social media, the way that people talk about their mental health. And a lot of people joke about it, but a lot of people also, that's their coping mechanism, especially on TikTok. A lot of, you know, videos are joking about their way that their, you know, mental health is, but it's also a way that people talk about it. And at least they're talking about it, you know, and a lot of people can relate to it because a lot of people treat it the same way. So I just see it as great that people are even remotely bringing it up, let alone, you know, posting content about it or making dedicated pages to it or whatever it is. It's really great to see. Agreed. Definitely. The conversation is more and comedy. Yeah, it's a, I guess it's a, sure. it's a safer, it's a safer way of bringing it up. Yeah. You know, so that I'm not, it's not. 100 concerning vulnerable. people think oh if i'm joking about it it's not concerning i'm like okay well <laughs> sure but also all right <laughs> but i mean hey people are talking about it you know it's really great for people to kind of let that be their coping mechanism or getting out their thoughts and feelings on ma them making videos about it or whatever it is as this has evolved and continues to evolve like what has like surprised you I think the amount of strangers that back up other strangers on the internet, <laughs> I don't really get any hate comments, but when I do get a hate comment, all of my followers like basically go to them and comment back. Like, why did you feel the need to do this? Or people make videos about how inspired they are by my content, or I can even post something stupid on the internet and people will be like, this inspired me to do this. You know, I also think it's really surprising how much just this simple act of getting people together has like changed people's lives. Like I know it's changed my life for sure, but also I get videos, I get photos of people posting how they're going on week-long trips with the people that they've met at my meetups or they're moving in or they're dating now. And just the fact that I literally held a meetup in their city. Now they've met these people that they probably would have never ever in their life crossed paths. Now they're extremely invested in their life or their whole entire life has literally changed so much because I just did this one meetup. Wow. That's yeah. very powerful. It's crazy. It's really mind boggling. And when people try to bring it up to me, it just goes over my head because I can't even wrap my head around how much it's changed other people's lives. It doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> that's no, that's really amazing. Being a part of people developing relationships and friends and then you know, starting families. I mean, you're playing a role in all of that. Yeah. It's really weird. I mean, I've never really dug deep into like thinking about it because I'll probably fall in this like deep rabbit hole of like what the actual hell is going on. But I think more or less, it's just really crazy that I just happen to be in this one space at this one moment and it's completely changed these people's lives forever. And I mean, it's really a lot to think about, but it is really cool to just be a part of somebody's story, even if it was half of a page or a paragraph. Was there a point where it like hit you like, okay, this is something 
big. This is not just like, oh, this is cool playing around. And then like, this is something big. I think when I got emails from, first of all, the New York Times was pretty crazy, but that was still pretty early on. So when I went to, when the New York Times hit me up, I was like, okay, haha. And it didn't process in my mind, but I'm also one of those people that I'll process it five years later because I can't wrap my head around it in the moment. So that's kind of what I feel now. And also when I think the top three most watched talk show hosts emailed me and I had to pick between the three. That was something that blew my mind. Like Drew Barrymore, I picked Drew Barrymore and the other two that I think you can figure out, but that was something so crazy to me that I literally was sitting here having to debate between whose show I wanted to go on. And then I was on stage sitting next to Drew Barrymore and Drew Barrymore said, I'm starstruck by you. And I literally looked at her like, woman, what, what are you saying? I'm on your show. Like, what do you mean? You know what I mean? That's something crazy. I mean, I've always looked up to Drew Barrymore my whole life. I want to be an actor. So she's been in my life forever. And I'm in her life for a blurb of her, you know, whole existence. And I don't even care if she forgot about me. It was more the sense of that in that moment, she felt the need to say that. And that was just mind blowing to me. I still can't, I blacked out. (laughs) I, I, I blacked out. I didn't even, I don't even remember being on the show, to be honest. That's cool. That's a great experience. Yeah. Have you noticed if there's, I'm just really curious. Have you noticed there's lots of common themes throughout all the different events and you're doing more and more in different cities and and communities. Is it all pretty similar or have you noticed? I'm just curious. I'm like a human observer. So I'm just curious if there's different themes and different demographics or communities or cities and just how it it's played out. I think that it depends. The New York ones are obviously always the biggest. That's where it started. That's where I'm based. So a lot of people know me through that, or they've seen the video because everyone in New York saw that video. So it was one of those things that yes, the whole world's seen it and a lot of people around the world, but also I think obviously the biggest demographic of people that come is New York because there's hundreds of people that show up to these meetups. But when it goes to other cities, literally every single city has every single type of person, no matter if there's 20 people at these meetups or if there's 500 people at the meetups, there's always a different group of people like at every single one. And that's what I love about it is that no one has ever coming, come to me saying, oh, I don't feel included here because there's not like different types of people or, oh, everyone here is this way or blah, blah, blah. It's never been that way. And I pride myself in that because I love that everyone, you know, whoever you are, you just, show up and you feel like there's somebody there that either relates to you or is in the same genre or demographic as you that you just feel welcome. And I really enjoy that. There's always that common theme of, of just, um, diversity, I guess. And also just the common theme of everyone accepting each other. We're a lot more alike than some of us want to admit. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. I think that a lot of people hide it and that's the problem is that they don't let that kind of open their brains or their minds to getting out there to kind of explore that factor. Do you, okay. I, I know it's, it's pretty diverse. I wonder how society as a whole, and then maybe in different cities, how society looks at people who are single. Mm. Um, and I don't know if the proportionally, if there's a lot of people who are single who attend the meetups and whenever you, whenever you're listening to this, we're recording this around the holiday time. And I know that that's something that definitely comes up for people around the holiday time. I mean, it's, it was a joke, but, but I think there's some truth to it. Talk about using comedy to, to highlight something. I, I saw someone like tweet something the other day is like, you know, for a hundred bucks on Christmas day. Oh, uh, you saw that. Did you see that? It's like, I'll, I'll have a plate with your family for a hundred dollars or like, Oh, I'll tell them we're dating for $200 or whatever that was. Oh, yeah. it's my favorite for a hundred bucks. Ever. I'll put on scrubs. Say I'm your boyfriend. Say yeah. I am because I got pulled to the ER. Which I thought was amazing. It's incredible, but it's very, it's very relatable. So yeah. what's your take on like how, you know, people who are single, how they're, I don't know, fairly or unfairly looked at. Sure. I think that the funniest thing, um, not the funniest thing, I guess that's a poor way to put it, but the, the craziest thing to me, I guess, is that 
a lot of people that have come to my meetups or talk to me about loneliness are married or they are in a relationship that they have their significant other, but they feel like they don't have anyone else. And it's not necessarily that their partner is taking that away from them. It's more that they just can't meet anyone else, you know? And I had a couple that was married at one of my picnics that the, um, the husband came to me and said- Made a wedding at one of your picnics? No, 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 no. Sorry. Did I say that? Oh my God. Did I say that? I'm just teasing. Wait. You said, oh, I was like, wait, so they got, I've been, they got first of all, I had a couple who was married at one of my picnics. Oh, I know uh, what you meant. <laughs> um, the, yeah. So I had this couple and the husband came to me and said, Hey, my wife, we just moved here. My wife is having trouble meeting people and the holidays coming up. And this was around Thanksgiving. So they're saying, yeah, we have no one to, we have no family. We have no one to spend the holidays with. And it's just us. And she's very lonely. I'm very lonely and we're lonely together, but we're still really lonely. And they met this huge group at my picnic and they ended up spending their Thanksgiving day. And they had all 10 of them come over for Thanksgiving. They all spent Thanksgiving together because all of them were lonely and they, they were all alone. And not necessarily that they were like, oh, this is the worst thing. I need someone to spend. It was more, it is hard. And they all live in a big city necessarily. And it doesn't matter if you can go home, if you have no family, if you have family, if you don't feel connected, you know, it's hard. And one of the things that I really love is that these people are turning these strangers that they meet into their chosen family. And that's what I did. I, you know, I don't really talk to my family too much, but I have turned my friends into this really close family concept of, we all know that we're in this city together. New York city is very hard to live in. It's very expensive, very lonely, and it's a big city. And if you don't, you know, no matter how close you are, a 20 minute car ride to your family or a five hour plane ride, it's like, you still are away from your family and you have to have people that you connect with outside of that. And these picnics that these people show up at, is that they have that open-mindedness of, okay, I can meet these people that really feel the same way as me. And I really adore that. But it doesn't matter if you're married, if you're single, whatever it is, people have this concept of, oh, single people are so lonely. It's like, I think my last relationship, I felt more lonely in the relationship than I did by myself. And that was also a telltale of not a lot of people, you know, realize that until they're out of it. And I didn't realize that, I guess, until I was out of it. And I really respect people that kind of take their singleness and turn it into their power of life. You know, it's really great. But yeah, I think that people look at people that are single during the holidays as this sad, whatever that they, oh, they don't, you know, have anyone to take home for Christmas. It's like, okay, well, I feel great. You know, I don't know how you feel, but it is what it is. And yeah, single people necessarily aren't sad and lonely. It's just this weird stereotype that people, I guess, bring up. (laughs) And unfortunately, some people sort of buy into it and they feel the pressure there's different, you haven't had a full calendar year where you're doing this, but mm-hmm. I'm guessing, I mean, the entire year people want to be connected to other people, but I imagine that yeah. there's certain times of the year where it's highlighted, you know, Christmas and New Year's and Thanksgiving and sure. Valentine's Day. And I don't know, there's different times of year where they do get pulled into this, you know, pressure. Oh, I have to have other people here when you yeah. don't necessarily have to. Yeah. So you're very active on social media, obviously. Yes. Right. And well, I'm going to date myself because, you know, I remember when I, you know, I promised I would never start a sentence like that. Okay. <laughs> Years ago, <laughs> social media wasn't as embedded in our culture and our society. Mm-hmm. And so like, I come from a little bit of a different you know, perspective because there's like a before and, and, and after and, you know, being 24, you primarily grew up with it. And, and I'm just, from your perspective and your experience, you know, developing relationships online and how that changes, how you develop a relationship, whether it's a friend or something more than that online and then transitioning in real life, you know, what are the I don't know. How do you navigate those waters? It's like, there's, as you said before, there's, I don't know how much on social media is actually authentic and is actually a authentic reflection of real life. So how do you think that plays a role in developing a genuine friendship, not a fake friendship? Not, oh, I'm going to get something out of this, you know, friendship. Yeah. I think, um, 
I call it my superpower. I have this superpower that I can kind of see through people's BS online. (laughs) I can tell if you're posting things that you want people to see and not see the other stuff, you know? And uh, I've had a few people comment on it of been like, how did you know that this person was like this? And I was like, I have this weird intuition. It's just like how I roll. I don't know. And I think it's because I come from such a genuine place of like, I just post whatever I feel like, whatever that I can kind of see how people are masking things or my friends, even that they'll just tell me that they're in the worst place of their life. And then they're posting all this happy stuff online that they're like, Oh my God, my life is incredible. And I'm like that. No. And I call them out. I'm like, this is masking. It's very detrimental to your mental health. And you're going to feel shitty because these people are commenting, Oh my God, I wish I could live your life. And you're over here crying in your bedroom because you don't feel that way actually. And that's a really poor, poor, poor thing to do. And that's why I post the way I feel because, you know, people will respond, Hey, I'm so glad you posted this because I was feeling like this. And I didn't feel like anyone else was feeling this way right now. Or if I'm posting, Hey, it's hard to have no parents during the holiday or something. People are like, yo, I I just lost my parent, or this is my first holiday without a parent. Like, how do you navigate this? How do you feel about this? You know? So it's kind of those things that I really like addressing these things online of kind of knowing that these people don't feel this way correctly. And also just when it comes to making relationships on the internet, it's kind of funny because there's the part that I'll follow somebody for sometimes years, months, whatever it is, and then meet them in person years later because I accidentally ran into them or whatever it is. And I've seen their lives online. And then I feel like it almost breaks that awkward barrier of not knowing anything about them. And you feel like you're friends because you're friends online. And there was this one girl, her name is Amelia, and we followed each other for, I think, a year. And then she came to my last picnic And I was standing in front of her and I just ran up and hugged her and we talked for like 30 minutes because I already felt like I knew her. And that was crazy to me because we'd never met before. (laughs) But the fact that I followed her online for a year and we followed each other and we always would respond to each other or DM or whatever it was, that there was this weird connection that we already felt like we knew each other. But otherwise, there's just a weird stigma that meeting people online is like some weird concept when it's not like, I think the online kind of feeling went away when we got like Lyft and Uber because we were Ubering in strangers' cars. Like when it was never getting a stranger's car, don't talk to people from the internet. It kind of went away. And, you know, I'm an adult. I am smart. I know things that, you know, like don't (laughs) get, you know, trafficked like whatever it's like one of those things that you have to obviously be lesson for life do not get traffic do not get traffic but it's one of those things that you know as an adult I can navigate of seeing what's real or what's not on the internet of knowing if this person is a real person knowing if they're genuine if they're not crazy whatever whatever it is and you'll never generally know if anyone's crazy but the actuality of it is meeting people that you know you see their lives online and then you're like, oh, okay. Like that we have mutual friends or, oh, they do this too. Okay. I do that too. So it's kind of, um, that open-ended mind, I guess, of, of meeting strangers from the internet of, you just kind of have to have that open-endedness, you know, meet up in a public place that other people are there so that, you know, if something happens, you know, you never know. <laughs> that is a superpower because it, yeah. it, it can be hard. And, and someone who's in the mental health field, So on one hand, it's really nice and encouraging to see people talking more and sharing more uh, and using social media for these things and and being genuine. On the other hand, it's really frustrating when I also get to sort of see through this, like, um, it's not humble bragging, it's not what I'm thinking of, where they'll almost, there are few that will almost ruin it for the many who are genuinely genuinely struggling in life, whether it's mental health or otherwise, and they'll almost take it to this opposite extreme and they'll, I don't know what the right word is, they'll over compensate. No, they'll like not over dramatize it. They'll, they'll use it to be like, Oh, like I'm so, and then I'll, and then like, I'm struggling with this. And then I overcame pity this for me. Yeah. Yeah. But, and it's not, and I'm not talking about the people who are really struggling. I think it's really unfair to the people who are genuinely struggling. Someone who's genuinely using you know, the like topic as a, a weapon instead of an actuality of trying to help people. Yes. Yeah, so what's the word? Is it ap- approbate? Is that the right word? I don't know if that's a real word. I have no to, idea. 
it's okay. I just call it victimizing, honestly. Yeah. And, 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 and for people who are genuinely struggling with something and then yeah. they sort of like use it to, you know, to get views and followers and all that because yeah. they're blowing it up out of, out of proportion is, is not fair to the people who are really, really struggling. Yeah. And it's also like a, a false reality these people are creating for themselves as well, because then that's how people are going to see them. Or maybe you go to their profile and then they're like, oh, I was just kidding everyone. Oh, I'm so sorry for, you know, making whatever that was. Like, I just don't, yeah, I don't enjoy that. And I also don't kind of appreciate when people go out of their way to make content like that, because it's just, unless you're really going through that, these people have this false reality. And then the next video they post is them, you know, living their best life. And they're like, oh, wait, what? Like, what is going on? You know? Right. Okay. This is, I want to ask this appropriately. It's because Mm -hmm. back to, you said in the beginning, you sort of shared like how you see what friendship is. Yeah. Where do you think the balance is? There's no right answer to this. Where the balance between, well, I want to fit in with my friends and Mm -hmm. I want them to be accepting. I also want to be true to myself and is there, is there, where does that begin and end? Where's the boundary to that? Is a friend supposed to be accommodating to anything and everything? Because, well, you're my friend. So yeah. you should always be there. I should always be able to depend on you. You should be understanding of everything. And it's like, it's a give and take. It's a little bit of a dance between, well, you know, like I give, I'm part of this group of friends mm-hmm. and I take. I want to be true to myself, but I want to be true to them. Like, where are the boundaries to that? I think a lot. There's two ways that you can go about this. One is that if you feel the need that you need to fit in to your friend group, it's probably not the best for you, honestly. It's probably not the best friend group for you. I'm not going to lie to you. If you feel like you need to go out of your way to change anything or you feel the need to, you can't act a certain way or whatever it is. If you're, if you're acting like crazy, then okay, well, then that's your thing that you need to figure out. But there's also that reality of uh, your friend's a human too. <laughs> your friend has these problems too, maybe. And uh, a lot of the things that I kind of break down because a lot of people come to me to rant or to help or whatever it is, because they see me as this person that's very, you know, very accepting, very loving, whatever. And I totally will be there, but there's also days that I cannot physically, mentally capacitate whatever's going on. And when you say like, oh, you're my friend, you should be there for me. If someone comes to me and they say, Hey, this is going on, blah, blah, blah. And I am not mentally there for that. I will literally stop and be like, hello, I'm so sorry. I'm going through a lot right now. I cannot mentally capacitate what you're saying. If you like can wait a little bit until I'm good, then fine. But also I, I can't handle this right now. And you have to make them realize like you have mental health too. (laughs) Everyone does. And I think, you know, two of my friends right now are going through something that is kind of like a battle of their own mental health. Like one will say, oh, I'm going through this right now. And the other person will be like, well, yeah, me too, but it's worse, you know, and you can't do that. You can't say oh, you're depressed. Oh, well, I'm depressed. You have no right to say that. You can't do that. (laughs) You can't. There's no, who feels worse. There's none of that. You can't do that. The biggest thing that I think people have a hard time with saying no, and that's not necessarily just in a sense of if someone comes to you and you don't want to talk to them, it's more, you don't want to go out. You feel pressured. You feel that someone's treating you poorly. You can't say no. People, these people can't say no. And that's why a lot of people stay in these relationships, these friendships, these whatever you want to call them, that they aren't, no, like it's not good. It's not good for these people, but they can't say no. They can't leave the friendship. They can't really leave the relationship because there's no problem. And I put that in quotes because- People feel like they need a problem to break up with their significant other. It's not, if you don't love them anymore, okay, that's quote unquote, I guess a problem. But also if you don't feel necessarily connected to these people anymore, that's a problem. (laughs) And if you don't want to be in a friendship with them or relationship with them, that's a problem. And they think, oh, we need some big fight or whatever to end it. It's like, no, it's just, it's hard to have that conversation or to die out the friendship. But also if it's not connecting with you anymore, if it's not, what you want anymore, if they're not helping you grow, connect, succeed, support, loyal, whatever, then that's a problem and you need to let that go. But a lot of people can't do that and they can't connect the two. That is a very common struggle about being able to say no. I can tell you how Mm -hmm. many people that I work with struggle to say no. Part of it is, well, what does it say about me if I say no? 
Does that mean yeah. that I'm, am I a bad friend? Am I a bad person? They're going to be upset at me. I can't handle them being upset at me. Yeah. No means that I don't care. No, doesn't mean that I don't care. I can decline something. I can care a lot, but you know, right now, this is not something that I can do. I, or yeah. I can't do it. I'm not comfortable doing it. I can, you both can exist. I can care yeah. and I can also say no. And there are a lot of people that, that really struggle with this. And I was laughing while you were talking about, well, the two friends were, well, my depression's worse. I've experienced that with people, actually the flip side of that, where someone will, will come in and we're talking about something that they're really struggling with, you know, pretty yeah. intense anxiety or depression, or they've been through a traumatic experience and they're like within like the same breath. Well, I mean, but that's not as bad as, you know, someone else that they had X, Y, and Z happen to them. So this is so yeah. stupid that I'm feeling this way. I shouldn't feel this way because it's not as bad. I didn't get, I didn't get trafficked. Yeah. <laughs> or <what> I, literally, <laughs> literally. Or whatever it is, you know, I still have this and this and this and this, so I shouldn't be feeling this way. And I call it like being stuck in a big pile of should that people do to them, do to themselves. And I joke with them, like, this is not like the American idol of mental health problems. Like imagine we had that on prime time. That's okay. Just being a human is the, the American idol of mental health problems. That's just being a, a, a literal human on this earth. But I feel like also when you're saying that of these people like compare each other, it's almost the sense that no matter what it is that these people are going through, they always feel like, oh, well, this person has it worse. And I was talking to somebody yesterday about this. The day that I realized that I wasn't the only one with a shitty childhood changed my life. Like the realization of, okay, I wasn't the only one that went through this and other people have this problem. It was like my personality trait that like, I would introduce myself and be like, well, I had a really poor child. Like, it's like, no, okay. Almost everyone's parents are divorced now, sadly to say it, but it's like one of those things that it was just a personality trait that I feel like everyone has to have a worse life than you. And if you have a good life, people just shit on you for it. If you say, oh, I grew up with two parents and my parents love me and they support me. It's like, people are like, oh, well, you can't have depression then. Why would you have depression? My parents are divorced and I was in a foster home. It's like, okay, just because you had that childhood or because you had that growing up, that doesn't mean I can't have a mental health issue or like mine's not worse than yours because this, that, and the other, you know? And it's a big problem. Everyone just keeps comparing due to what they're going through. And there's no comparison for that. It's not a competition. It's, it's really not. But everyone makes it a competition. And that's when people lack support of each other. And that's where the issue starts. That's where the literal line of friendship and stuff starts of really pushing those boundaries, I guess. So speaking of which, you know, let's call a spade a spade. You know, even the healthiest of people who are on social media of any sort, in, built into the algorithms of social media is comparison, yeah. is followers, is views, is likes. And anyone I speak to who is, that's a big part of their world, I'm always asked the same question is, what helps you sort of stay grounded and not get sucked into, well, you know, this got this many views or likes. It's natural. It's normal. It's the algorithm is built for that. What helps you stay grounded in that? I think a few different elements. One is my meetups. <laughs> I'm meeting people from around the world that have no following at all. Don't even go on social media. They read about me in the New York times. They read about me on some article or saw me on the TV. They don't even know I have followers. Like some people come to my events and don't even know who I am. And like, it's those things that I really appreciate because it's like, I have these events and it's breaking that barrier of an influencer online, like associating with normal people. And I, I say that in a funny voice because literally these people think that they're some crazy cool icon on the internet because they have some followers and like, okay, cool. Like a lot of people look up to you. Sure. But also like, I'm a normal human. <laughs> I'm allowed to have problems. I'm allowed to have whatever. And that's why I'm kind of trying to break this barrier of hosting these meetups and stuff because I'm a normal human too. I deserve to have friends. I deserve to have um, whatever problems I deserve, whatever. I mean, I don't deserve it, but you know what I mean? But I, my motto is to leave your ego at the door. I don't care who you are, you know? And there was this one girl that showed up at one of my meetups and she had millions of followers on the internet and I had no idea who she was. And I didn't even know who she was until she left. And someone said, oh my God, do you know who that was? And because she was talking to everybody, she became friends with everybody. And it was cool to see that type of stuff where, because I, I don't allow people to just be like, 
oh, well, how many followers do you have? Like, oh, we can't bring, oh, sorry. I don't know who you are because blah, blah, blah. That's not what I care about. And I just appreciate, you know, whenever I go to these influencer events or whatever you want to call them is that I walk in there with no expectation of anyone knowing who I am. And if I ever go to an event and I'm shocked when people know who I am, that's like the funniest part is people are like, do you like when people come up to you on the street? I'm like, hell yeah, because it's like crazy that even someone knows me outside of the internet, you know, or they could recognize me on the street. And I just really appreciate that. It's not like I'm famous that I can't go to the grocery store, but it's like really appreciative that these people just really care. And also I can be myself on the internet and that people enjoy that. That's amazing. It's really nice to hear that whoever that was that came and didn't pull that card of, you know, do you know who I am? Yeah. It's really nice to hear that people should just be allowed to be people. Yes. The internet is a scary place and real life is real life. And if they don't separate the two, then they're going to get in their head and think that they're this crazy, cool, whatever. And you can be crazy, cool and have followers on the internet, but you can also be crazy, cool and not have followers on the internet, you know? Yeah. You're a human. I'm a human. Act like one. <laughs> as long as you're kind, you know. As long as you're kind. Yeah, I actually had I actually had this cool guy on on the podcast a couple episodes ago, and he has a company that's called Dude Be Nice. <gasps> Shut up! Oh my god, that is crazy. You he came to speak at my high school. I don't know, ten years ago, wherever it was. And I, from that day, I'm not kidding you. I'm not even just saying this. From that day, my life was changed. I don't think you understand it. Literally when I started no more lonely friends, people would be like, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, there was this guy that spoke at my high school literally so long ago, literally over 10 years ago. And I said, I want to go on a public speaking tour. Like the guy who runs dude, be nice. That's insane. That's insane. That's crazy. That's crazy. I literally, that guy changed my life. Brent, you changed her life. No, it's legit. I would, I would love to talk to him again because that is something that really shaped, like I cried when he came to my high school, literally all of us were crying. I mean, it was an incredible speech and his, his public speaking skills are very immaculate, but I mean, it was crazy. Like it was really cool to that. Wow. This is a full circle moment right now. This is crazy. I'm like tripping right now. (laughs) That's, that's pretty trippy. That is like, I I have some chills right now. That's pretty. Yeah. I just emailed him yesterday. Like where do you, wow. I need to, okay. I need to like get in contact. With no, I'm going to, I'm going to connect you. I'll, I'm going to connect you too. Please and, do. and we're trying to like collaborate on something. It's such a good time. Oh uh, my God. That's amazing. Just, like a, it was like two, ep- two episodes ago where we had such a good talk and it was like, we just like connected and we didn't know each other prior and, and he's a, he's a good dude. He's oh good. my God. This is so wild. Oh my gosh. I'm going to like, this is, I'm getting definitely. like flustered right now about how crazy that is. Wow. Awesome. I'm definitely going to connect you too. And we're sure. trying, we're trying to work on something together that has, you know, some meaningful thing, I guess. Any last thoughts on is obviously you've experienced and you've seen this like real correlation, I guess, between friendship connection and mental health. What else could you add to that as far as what you've, you know, observed and experienced the connection between the two? I think that people need to kind of have this restart button in their brain. And I think the last two years has kind of helped people acknowledge that they've had this restart button. And no matter who you are, no matter what you are in your past, whatever you did, I don't, I don't, you know, whatever, you can leave that at the door. But if you strive to be the best human that you could be, it's going to happen. And people are going to enjoy you for that. People are going to appreciate you that you can be real. You can be yourself. And if you feel like you can't be yourself around the people that you're surrounded by now, you need to let that go and move on and find the people that really truly care for you. Because I was in a really dark, deep, dark place in my life before. And the moment I found the people that really accepted who I was, and it took very long time. Don't even, you know, start me on that one. But I literally want to tell people that it takes a very long time. And I've had people that I've met that are in their fifties that said, you know, I just let go of a friendship of 30 years and, you know, I've been waiting 20 years to do it. (laughs) And they're like, I let go of that. And no matter if I had friends to back me up or not, it was the best feeling. And now I'm who I want to be. And I can be this, I can be that. If someone doesn't have the same morals or objectives as you, it's just time to let go. Um, it'll make you feel better. It'll make you become a better person. And also just, you know, be a human, be kind, be true to yourself and 
you will find those people that really care about you. Amazing. So I lied. I have one more question. Yes. <laughs> Do, yeah, as someone, cause I, I work with a lot of people with specifically with social anxiety. Mm-hmm. I'm curious if people have shared at these meetups because one of the things that i'll actually try to do with people a lot of it is is this the self-perception of well what are people going to think and what are people going to say and and my you know self-worth and and how i look and all this stuff and sort of get stuck in their own heads about that i'm curious in so one of the things that i've done with people is we will try to get out there to and encourage them to get out there to sort of test that you know hypothesis and you know the world's not always so kind but i'm curious in these meetups in these events, if people have shared <clears throat> struggling with social anxiety and if this has been instrumental in, in helping them? I would say a good 70% of the people that come to my meetups have so extreme social anxiety. Wow. Um, I think it's really wild and it honestly almost makes me cry every time. If not, I do cry every time. A big thing that people feel the need to, or feel, I say feel the need, but also have the ability to share with me how their social anxiety has either ruined their life, or it's a big thing that they're breaking this barrier by coming to a meetup. It blows my mind every time someone tells me that they would never have even thought about going to something like this. But the fact that I'm so open and very dedicated to making this a safe space, that they felt the need that if they came and they had a mental breakdown, that they were able to show up and show out and not have people feel like they would judge them either way. Um, A big, big, big thing that people come to me and they say, you know, I don't think I would have ever done this, but today broke that social barrier, that social anxiety um, that I never thought I would get rid of. And even if they think, you know, oh, I still have it, but this was one step that really changed my life or months later they realize, oh my God, because I went to this meetup, it made me X, Y, Z, or I stepped out of my comfort zone. I was able to talk to somebody, um, whatever. And they found that one person at the meetup or talked to that one person at the meetup that either had social anxiety as well, or they talked about their mutual agreement of, I would have never done this before, or just the fact that people are outside talking to strangers. You know, it is very difficult to just come up with conversation to start with a stranger that you have no idea, but there's like this mutual agreement between everybody that no matter who you are, how you're feeling, whatever, that the social anxiety just kind of disappears and they forget, they forget where they are. They forget, oh, I'm, I'm not supposed to be talking to strangers. Or I'm, I can't believe I'm at this meetup of whatever, you know, it's awesome to see people just go out of their comfort zone without even realizing it. And a lot of people that come will be like, I was only supposed to show up for 20, 30 minutes. And now it's five hours later and I'm going to a bar with these people afterwards, or we're going to hang out next week or whatever. I'm going to meet their family. Like, I mean, it's just so cool to see that these people really just kind of broke something that day and, and that it'll again, change their life forever. And I would have never known unless they told me. That's amazing. One of the most powerful things that a client once told me is that a real turning point for him the social anxiety. He's like, Shmuel, I realized and I gave myself permission to be anxious. Yeah. Which I thought was like a really powerful statement to himself. Yeah. I'm, I'm allowed to be anxious. Not that I have to get rid of it in order to socialize. I can socialize. It's important to me. I can engage and I'm allowed to also be anxious. And that's, that's a great that, way that, to think. It's an amazing way to think. And yeah. it's, it helped like sort of dissipate that and, and engage. It's amazing. Well, yeah. you're making the world a better place. Thank, Thank you. you. What do you, I know it's evolved and, and grown to probably even more than you ever dreamed. But now that you're here, what do you hope for the future? Like the sky's the limit here. Yeah, the sky is truly the limit. I've been approached with a lot of stuff. I think that I just want to one, keep these meetups going, but also make it a normal thing that people do, not just because I'm hosting it in their city. You know what I mean? I want people to like be able to have these things by themselves or feel encouraged to go out of their way to make somebody's day or or meet up with somebody just because, you know, they they think it's cool. I also really want to turn these events into like just more than picnics. I want to do like fun events, like an adult summer camp or an adult prom or something very like whoever you are, wherever, you know, you can come to it. I think that people forget like people in their twenties also, you know, it's like, you're not 18 anymore, but people in their, you know, 
forties, fifties, whatever, think that these people that are 20 are so, I mean, yes, we're very young. Sure. But it's also, we're in our adulthood. We're transitioning into, you know, some of my friends are doctors. Some of my friends have three kids and I'm like, I post videos on the internet, you know, but it's also a very specific age range that you can kind of do whatever you want. And I say that as in, I'm here open to the world of what's next for No More Lonely Friends and myself as well. The thing that I really wanted to do was public speak, whether it was to go around to high schools, talk about bullying, talk about acceptance, talk about their next life outside of high school because people's lives change after high school and it's okay to move on. It's okay to to do what you want. But yeah, I think that I'm very open to it. I hope that it really just excels and accelerates and goes through the roof of whatever roof that was. I hope there's no roof. I just hope it keeps going. So I'm very um, excited to see what's next. Sure. Beautiful. I have a lot of confidence to get there. Thank you. <laughs> Amazing. So now, uh, before we wrap up, how could people connect with you? If they want to yes. learn more and uh, find out about the meetups and just, you know, learn more. Yeah. Instagram, Marissa Mize is my personal one of just my life. No More Lonely Friends is where you can find the schedules, the events, whatever's going on. And also on TikTok, Marissa Mize, uh, no more lonely friends.com. Shout out, grab some merch. Woo. <laughs> Please do. And Brent, you got to connect. You guys can go on the road together. It's going to be incredible. Awesome. Thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. No, thank you for having me. I really, it's been really, really great. 